Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. one of the pastors here at St. Paul, and I'm so glad you've tuned into this worship podcast. Today, we are going to think a little bit about uh, faith. And as Christian people, we talk a lot about faith, actually. We talk about having faith, deepening our faith, growing our faith. But let's take a step back and look at the broader picture a little bit and wonder together just what is faith? Why or how is faith significant in our own lives? And how would you define the word? Well, one definition of faith that we find in Scripture comes in the New Testament book of Hebrews. 
actually less of a book and more of a really lengthy sermon where the whole letter of Hebrews spends a good amount of time just talking about the basics of faith, what we believe and why. And when we get to the 11th chapter, there's this often quoted verse where the author offers kind of their own possible definition of faith. It is this small word that we use all of the time, but with so much depth and meaning behind it that it's worth kind of unpacking a little bit. So we'll spend some time today doing just that. Scratching the surface, of course, we could probably spend hours talking about what it really means to have faith. But for now, pay close attention to that first verse or so with the scripture passage and how might these words inspire your own understanding of faithfulness. So let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born as many as the stars in heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. So let's take a listen now to this reflection on that passage from Hebrews and how it might help us better understand our own lives of faith. Well, a few weeks ago, I was sitting on the couch after a long day, mindlessly flipping through my phone like we all do uh, from time to time anyway, kind of catching up on the day's events in the world when I scrolled by this headline. It says, Colorado Springs man becomes fourth person to push a peanut up Pike's Peak with his nose. (laughs) Someone asked me last night if I read this in National Choir. It is not. I actually think I read it on NPR. It's a legitimate news source. But as I read this headline, I had to process it a few times to make sure I understood correctly. Mostly had a few questions, namely... Why, (laughs) followed by how, why a peanut of all things and not a hard piece of candy or a golf ball that might roll a little bit easier or who knows what. And how do you push a peanut with your nose all the way up a mountain? And who are the three other people who did this before this man who came up with this idea? Well, my curiosity got the best of me, so I opened the article as I was sitting there and learned that the man's name is Bob Salem. He did, in fact, break the original record for this feat by pushing a peanut up the mountain with his nose in seven days. (laughs) 
seven days. He did so by fashioning an old CPAP mask and duct taping a plastic serving spoon to the front of it and basically crawling up the mountain while flicking the peanuts as he went along. But for Bob, in this article anyway that I read, he said setting the new record or gaining maybe even a small amount of infamy wasn't really the goal for him. It was, in some ways, to show others, particularly his children, what it looks like to pour your heart and soul into something that you're passionate about. To stick with something, no matter what challenges may come along. Like when he anticipated the climb would only take him three days, but in fact it took him seven. He hoped that he would learn to embrace both the adventure and the unexpected struggles or the challenges that kind of come along the way with such an endeavor. As he was being interviewed, as I was reading this, this article, he talked about the fears he had before starting that day, the fear of failure and the fear of letting others down, particularly his kids who had kind of built up this big event, how lonely and exhausting it can be on the trail. But he also spoke confidently. This person was interviewing him only halfway through. He was about halfway up the mountain in this interview. He spoke confidently and sort of already anticipating what was yet to come, making it to the top. And he said, like so many other things in life, you just sort of have to put one foot in front of the other. Or in his case, put one knee in front of the other. You just keep going until you get there. Bob's story is a little bit ridiculous, of course. I, my hope is that you will uh, be inspired to put maybe your energies towards more fruitful things. But what caught my attention when I was reading this article anyway was how Bob's description of this feat, it might actually have some parallels to how we might also describe faith take those words that Megan read a few moments ago from the New Testament letter of Hebrews, where the author is giving us kind of their own definition, saying, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Or you could put it in the words of Bob Salem and reframe it to say, faith is when you just put one foot in front of the other. Or a theologian, Frederick Buechner, once said something along those same lines, that faith is not being sure of where you're going, but going anyway. It's a journey without maps. And our scripture this morning gives us kind of this perfect example. Abraham and Sarah, these Old Testament figures, who are mentioned as kind of exemplary figures, examples of authentic faith. Here in Hebrews, though their, their whole story is given to us in Genesis, in Hebrews we kind of get the Cliff Notes version of their life. And the writer is saying, how wonderful that these two heard God's strange promises of countless offspring, even while at the moment they were in their 80s or so and had no children. But what's even more incredible about their story, as, as the scripture goes on, is about their faith is that they believed all these promises God was speaking to them while the two of them currently lived in a tent. They believed that someday they would have descendants as numerous as the stars when it was just the two of them. And they would never actually meet those generations later. 
Hebrews says they believed God's promises of whole cities with foundations engineered by God. And they could picture it in their mind even as they camped out and wandered around in their small little tent. Abraham and Sarah, they had this uncanny ability to quite literally put one foot in front of the other, believing that God's promises would, in fact, one day come to be. But in the meantime, as they waited, they would pour their heart and their soul into their faithfulness, where God was at the center of their lives. And whatever adventures came along, whatever unexpected challenges or disappointments or frustrations that they encountered, they could still keep moving forward because they knew the one who was guiding them along this this path. These two sort of set an example, as Hebrew says, of what faithfulness, what faith looks like. So, of course, the same can be true for our own lives of faith. That when we feel hopeless, or when heartache might be the most overpowering emotion of our day, when we are anxiously waiting for a diagnosis or fervently praying for a cure, whatever the predominant emotion might be in your life as you walk through those doors this morning, what we strive to do as Christian people is to be so wrapped up in God that regardless of what happens or the outcome of our latest challenge, the very act of seeking God, of worship, is in its way its own goodness, its own guiding force for who we are, who we choose to be. Scripture defines faith for us this morning as being sure of what we hope for. And there are some brands of Christianity that will tell you that if you just hope enough for health and healing, for prosperity, for a new job, for whatever your hope is, if you just have enough of it in your life, enough hope and faith, then God will grant you your desires. Your faith will be evident by how wonderful and put together your life is. Of course, we know it's not true. That if what we truly hope for if we want, what we want more of in our life is God, is the riches of God's grace and the assurance of God's peace, if what we are really sure of, if nothing else, is that we're sure of God's presence alongside us as we walk through life, even if we can't see God, whether we're scaling mountains or moving through a valley, then what happens is that we pour our hearts and our souls into trusting a God who won't disappoint us or abandon us. If true faith is being sure of what we hope for, then part of what we need to regularly evaluate in our lives is what consumes then our hopes and our dreams. We get to place God at the center of our lives and we let Christ guide our steps in all sorts of ways. And when that happens, we don't have to know the future. We don't have to be consumed with worry or fear or anxiety of the unknowns because we have placed our faith and trust in a God who simply guides us to put one foot in front of the other. 59 years ago this month, Martin Luther King Jr. gave this famous I Have a Dream speech at the March on Washington. He spoke those beautiful words that you know and have heard so many times before. He said, I have a dream 
that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream, he goes on to say. And the truth is that still is, that, tr- that dream is still not yet fully realized. Dr. King had this hope, and we hold on to that hope, that dream. We live with trust and hope that one day, one generation will see it truly come to fruition. But what Martin Luther King was referencing in that speech was really about faith. King was dreaming of this world where God's peace would be made known to all people, where love would overpower evil and hatred. And so as King would go on to say later, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. One step forward through our actions, through our words, through our commitments, our willingness to let God guide us toward a better future in our lives and in this world. So that whether it's Martin Luther King or Abraham and Sarah or you and me, faith has less to do with obtaining, gathering together a certain quantity that if we just have enough, we can get to some kind of desired end result. And it has more to do with this ability to put one foot in front of the other, to decide what or who will give us courage for the journey. We get to pour our lives into something greater than ourselves, this God who is our guide for the entirety of our lives. May we have this confidence to scale mountains or just, just to get through the day because we have placed our trust in this God of ours. We get to cultivate even just a little bit more of this thing called faith where we have this assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things we cannot see. Amen.
we turn now to God in prayer, speaking those words Jesus taught us through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. May you be blessed with a renewed sense of faith today, putting one foot in front of the other, and along the way discovering the joy of God's presence. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.